Good evening. How's everyone doing? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, uh, if uh, we haven't met, my name is Sinetemba. I'm coming all the way from Bramfontein, uh, Kenya City Church, which is uh, a church plant, a church that uh, church plant uh, that began, I guess, uh, late uh, late Feb. So we we, we new babies. Uh, so. I was asked to talk about, you know, guys who just plan, they don't have enough, uh, they don't have enough work, they don't know what they're doing, they need to come to an organized church and, and actually see how it looks like. So thank you, David, for the invite. Uh, I said that we are going to this series that of Jesus' misconception, and we're going to be in misconception, the, not the Jesus I ordered. Ah, that's, 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 that's the tight line. Um, and as I was thinking about it, uh, we, we are gonna pray and we will read uh, the passage uh, that we're gonna be looking at. But as I was thinking about, uh, uh, this, our, to forgive me this, uh, today, this week I've been very political ever since we went to stage six. Uh, I've been <clears throat> looking at my contact list and looking and think, trying to think, this person, who did they vote for? Trying to confront, frustrate all my contacts and say, okay, where's, where's your thought? Where was the thought process in this? But either way, as I was thinking about that, I will remember the moment it was 2016, elections were coming up, and Pretoria, you know Pretoria, because it's called Swane. You know, Swane is like, all the people there, it's like a Moses story. Those people who almost made it to the promised land, but they can only see Joe work from far. Okay. As uh, I was thinking about that, I remember the outrage in 2016. And you know, Tswane people is one place uh, that there's lots of black people, but there's one place as a Nguni person that I felt like I'm a minority. There, I'm, I know that I rather I would rather speak English. Otherwise, I'm not going nowhere with these people. I'm a close member from Eastern Eastern Cape. I know nothing about Swane, let alone Ispitol is another language in itself. But they brought to, uh, to uh, 2016. They brought this guy NC in their wisdom. They brought Togo Didiza as the candidate mayor of Pretoria. Togo Didiza is from KwaZulu Natal. A Zulu man says, you're going to lead the Pitori people uh, as their leader. That was an outcry. And you know, eventually, he ended up losing uh, Pretoria. But that was an outcry. And the outcry was on this thing that this person is from Zulu. This person from KZN, a different place. This person does not speak for us. How can they? They don't know us. And that's the, we also, we love the demo, I guess, the democracy system because we get an opportunity to lead, to, uh, to elect people who think they're going to represent us, our ideas, what want to happen. We want to put those people in power. We want people who know us, who understand us. That's how we choose. Even if you are, uh, coach, uh, even in, in, in sports, same thing. That when you want it, your team, there's that team that is usually uh, supported by people who are not Christians. Uh, uh, it's black and white. Uh, that team is unbelievers, but at the same time, uh, 
that team has a reputation of bringing about coaches no one knows. Like they, the current coach they just hired. No, no, come from, they don't come from South Africa. They have never, they have no exposure to South African football. They're gonna coach South Africa, South African team. And our Christian discipline does not know South African football. Doesn't know our place, doesn't speak the language. We have those things. We want, we believe that we want to be presented with someone who knows us. Even also in the same time, when you think about Jesus, when you think about God, that when you're thinking about Jesus, you may think, does Jesus really know me? Does Jesus really know what it means to be a human being? Understand that he's God and man, and maybe in the, even though in that we don't know how that mixture came up being, but he's always, is he really human? Does he know the frustrations of Eskom? That's in no low shedding stage six. <laughs> Does Jesus know the heartbreak, the challenges of Umjolo? <laughs> Does Jesus know those things? Does Jesus know how hard it is in the corporate? Where every day there's so many, I am surrounded by colleagues who are backstabbing, who are looking for an opportunity to push me down. Does Jesus know that? Does Jesus know the pressures? Jesus, does he know COVID? Does he know the economic pressures that faces? Does he know what it means to be human beings in 2022 in South Africa with such a high rate of unemployment? With so many job cuts, rejection? Does he know the tension of being in a family that has rejected you? Or being a family that you or you are constantly fighting with each other, that you feel misunderstood, and at the same time, my thinking is or my misconception about Jesus saying that Jesus does is so transcendent. He's good. Does not. Is not. Does if he, he doesn't quite know what it is to be human. I was thinking about that uh, back in the days when I was studying at. Uh, at G Bible College just met in Cape Town. You can forgive me for that. I was there uh, for three years. And then when I was there, we used to do this evangelism on Tuesdays. We walk around UCT. Uh, and then we'll do these worldviews, asking people about what's their view of God and all that. Didn't know, and I didn't know Cape Town was so much, so much Islam is a big deal there. So I didn't know what got there. And then there was a question, do you, this thing, question that goes like, do you know God? Is God loving? And I was surprised by people, so many uh, of my Muslim guys that I've encountered there, and they're like, yeah, I think God is there, but you can't know God. He's transcendent. You can't have a relationship with God that way. And I know that in my African culture as well, that when that's when African culture, you don't hear much talk about God because God is transcendent. You hear a lot about ancestors are the ones who kind of know what it is human being. God is somewhere there, up there. And sometimes as I, in my younger, and some in, even in my older uh, time as a Christian, that time to time I struggled with the idea that does God really know what it is to be a human being? He's my Lord, yes. He's my Savior. But does he know about the everyday challenges that I face? 
not head knowledge, not I know, is all seeing, is all knowing, is all present. And my, I hope uh, in this moment that I'm with you is that we may see that actually God was fully, so Jesus was fully human and experienced what the challenges of a humanity. And in that, in fact, being a person who's transcended, that Jesus can be our friend, can be a place where we run to. That's what I want us to see uh, this evening. And I'm going to do that. We're going to look at the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 2. I'll read for us from verse 5 all the way to 18. Uh, but I'll pray, ask God for help, and then I'll read. Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you that we have your word that tells us, that reveals uh, to us who, who you are, who Jesus is, in how we can, as human beings, we can relate, that Jesus can relate to us, that we can come to him and knowing that not only does he sympathize, but empathizes with our situations. That is the friend that we need, the confidant. So help us to see that this evening, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 uh, to 18. I'll read from us from, from chapter 5, from verse 5. So chapter 2, verse 5. Cool. You guys there? Says, verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subject under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subject to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subject to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are, who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Again, I will put my trust in you. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who their fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, 
so that he might become, merciful, might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to, be tempt, is able to help those who are being tempted. Amen. I was asked to be short, uh, so I will be, I, I will be brief because we heard that the guys are singing. That's why I don't like going to churches that have good music team because uh, now other people can't wait for you to finish. Uh, so <laughs> next time I come, tone it down a bit. So as we're thinking about uh, Hebrews chapter 1 has been telling us about exaltation of Jesus, how he's so much exalted than the angels. Okay, in everything like that, chapter 2 is going the opposite direction. It says, it's the lowliness of Jesus. How the one who is high has been made low. Really, I have, I'm going to have uh, three points. Uh, really, we're talking about, uh, it's nothing to do with the fact that I can't count higher than three, but three usually is what you guys can hold. I can really remember. We're really going to be thinking about uh, the necessity of Jesus, of Jesus being human for our salvation, the necessity of Jesus uh, being human uh, for our everyday needs. And then thirdly, we're going to be looking at examples of the humanness of Jesus. Okay? It's that simple. Uh, first thing, that the necessity of Jesus being uh, a human being for our salvation. I read a lot. I read a lot that because I didn't have a lot to say, so I wanted something to take the time. But I'm really going to be focusing on verse 14 to 18. That's really where I'm getting it. Okay. The first thing that I want us to see, as I said, is that it was, it was necessary for Jesus to be human. For our salvation. Look again with me in verse 14. I read to most of these. It says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through the death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. Verse 17, since therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Okay, propitiation, atonement. Uh, that's what saying that, as I said, it depends that human beings, that we are human beings, we are, we are flesh and blood, flesh and bone. Uh, we know the Bible of us saying, God is spirit. God, God cannot be killed. He cannot die. So for that sense, if Jesus is going to die, because here, that's how he propitiates. That's how he atones for our sins, is for him dying. And so the necessity of him, he had to die. He had to become man so in order for to die. But not only that, uh, that we know the, uh, the writer of Hebrews is going to say uh, in a few, a few chapters to come, talk about how Jesus, how God, how people of God in the past used animals as sacrifice to atone, like lamb, uh, cow to atone for their sins. But he says this, the fact that they did those atonement of sin, they did it every year. It was a reminder to them that the sacrifice that they were making 
was not able to save them completely. It was just just pointing to them that you are sinful. And it was also a pointer that you need something to die. You need a human being. And we know that from Genesis that we know that the penalty of death, if you of sin, is death. That a human being sin, a human being needs to die. But not any kind of human being. A human being that is sinless, like the animals that were meant to be blemished, to point us that we need a human being. So Jesus was necessary to be fully human being, not to appear to be human not to be a mixed breed of God and human being that created different uh, species than human beings, but to be 100% a human being. So that he can take the place of humans who, because of the sin we have done, we deserve death, and he took our place. That's the only way. Because everyone who lived uh, from Adam, especially after Adam, was sinful, especially the CEO of Esco. But that's another story. <laughs> it's sinful. And there is a need. Uh, and there is a need for a sacrifice. God is holy. And it requires 100%. And we cannot be. So a sacrifice needs to be made for everyone. And so it was necessary then for Jesus, for God, to incarnate and become a human being so that to bring about salvations to all humans. So hence, there's no other salvation. You can't work, as you heard about Islam, you can't work yourself to please God. Because it doesn't accept 39%. He accepts 100%. And we cannot have 100%. But Jesus can. So it's necessary for him to be human because uh, he needed to die, and he came to save humans. And thirdly, we have heard verse 11 how he not only came to die for our place, but he came to bring us to his family. Do you saw verse 11? If I can find it, uh, it says, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. My, my version will say also consider all have one family. Okay? Uh, that is, is uh, yes. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. So we are in Jesus' family. We are in the family of God. But Jesus had to identify with us so that we may be part of his family. So he was a human being. Secondly, uh, is that not only that, that that Jesus had to be a human being so that he may understand human struggles, everyday struggles. Uh, Rudman verse 18 says, For he himself has suffered when tempted. He, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That God cannot be tempted, the Bible tell, uh, tells us that, or James explicitly tells us that, not does it tempt anyone. Can't be tempted. Uh, we know that Jesus, as I said earlier on in illustration, that we don't want someone if someone is going to represent us, if someone is going to help us, like the people of Pretoria who wanted someone who is from Pretoria, who speak the language, to speak for them. Because they said, we can go to that person, they will understand. First they will hear uh, the language, and they will understand. And Jesus is like that. That Jesus, that is not that Jesus, sometimes you may think, but Jesus was unbothered by everything. 
He was just floating as people are saying things. He's not tempted. He's living in his own world. But Jesus faced temptation. We know that. And the important thing in that, since he has faced temptations, he has faced human struggles, he has faced suffering, even to a point of death, then Jesus does not only sympathize or knows what you're going through, but can empathize. He had experiences. He has experienced it. And that's important for us, as it is important for people uh, who lead us, as I said, that also for God whom we worship, who we ask to come to, it's important that he knows how we're feeling. Okay? Don't just believe me. Let's talk about say, examples of what I'm talking about. Just some examples. I think the first thing I want to talk about examples of Jesus' humanness. That the first thing that we know that Jesus um, experienced the limitations of being a human being. We know that many times that Jesus is quoted in saying that Jesus eating. Uh, when he, he meets the disciples, he captures uh, the fish. What do they do? They grill. They eat. Even in his resurrection, Jesus eats. And people eat when they're hungry, uh, at least they're gluttons. But other than that, normal ways you eat because you're hungry, Jesus ate. We know in John 4 and the world that Jesus was asking for, where, for water. He was thirsty. He was tired from the gym. Jesus went to sleep, so he wasn't up all the time. So he knows what it is to be tired. As you're a job worker, you feel like you've been worked like a donkey. Like some work is this demanding your boss is always there's these emails you have to respond after after work, this job you have to do. There's also other things that you need to do. And David as well is asking you to come early to church uh, as well and then do something else. Constantly even job with social life, we play we work hard, but we also play hard. So demanding. Jesus knows what it is to be tired. So it's not just from head knowledge, but from experience. Knows that this to be need. But also, Jesus experiences or shows, I uh, think, human emotions. Shows human emotions. We've heard of Jesus uh, times where we know the famous one in the temple, when Jesus is angry. That people who are the leaders of the day, uh, that when they... Basically, views in the house of God to be a business place. And he turned the table up and down, uh, upside down, and had a whip, all those things. You know, they, it was uh, in biblical times, there was not abuse, it was not really a uh, thing you could put people in line. So it shows that Jesus was angry. So when you ask, when you snap, you are in that point, don't think Jesus does not know what it is for you to be there. But we are told even that, yet he did not sin. So it can help us. How do we cope with anger? And some of us are constantly angry because of the injustice that has been done to us. Especially by the people we've loved. Jesus knows what it is to be angered. Not only that, knows how to be, uh, to be angered, uh, that Jesus knows how to love and show compassion. We know about this when Jesus, uh, we told in Matthew 9, when Jesus looks at the crowd going up and down, he says they look like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. 
in John, in the feeding of the 5,000, when people are there in the wilderness and they've been there for a very long time without food, he looked at them. He had compassion on them. So we know he's a human who has human emotion, has compassion. Not only that, we know Jesus is the one who weeps, cries. In John 11, when Lazarus is dead and looking at the destruction that death has caused, as people are crying, and we're told, my favorite verse, Jesus wept. It is not only my favorite verse because that's the only verse I can memorize, but um, it's a good one, that Jesus wept. So when you're going through crying, the tears that no one sees, in your closed doors, in your pillow, Jesus knows what it is to shed tears. You can come to him with that. Not only that, Jesus knew what it is to feel rejection. We are known from the beginning of John that, that Jesus came to, uh, he came to his own, yet his own did not accept him. That Jesus, you know that he, he not only came to humans that he created, he came to his own Jewish people, but his own Jewish people rejected him. The people that you have made. I don't know who, I'm sure if you are probably a parent to a teenager, you have experienced uh, rejection uh, from those who think I've made this one. Look at them now, rejecting me. But Jesus has felt, and many of us have felt rejected by those who are called friends, family, people that work, uh, that we feel as if they're not accepting you as you want. Jesus knows what it that is. You remember even Jesus in the John, I think it was a, when he's going the last kind of Passover, Jesus go, you, there, his brother says, you need to go to Jerusalem and show yourself at this Passover. Because if you want to be a public figure, you need to be seen. And then we are told, they didn't say that because they were supportive, you know, here we are big on supportive, we need to be supportive, positive vibes. Uh, no, they said it because they didn't even believe him. So his claim that he's preaching out there at home, they're saying that you are nothing, go wash dishes. They probably would say that it was the firstborn, uh, but something like that. So he knew what it is to be rejected. He knew what it is to be frustrated by leaders. That Jesus, the Pharisees who meant to know God, and all the Pharisees, the expert of law, who known to be people who care about God's law, who love God, who follow God's law. The leaders think that they want nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus knew that. Obviously, we know that Jesus knows anxiety. We are told in the Garden of Gethsemane that he was so anxious when he was thinking about uh, his death that was coming, that he was sweating as if he was sweating drops of blood. He was anxious. He knows anxiety. Imagine the anxiety, anxiety that you know that you are dying tomorrow. And you know you're not just going to die, you're going to die painful. And yet what did we do in that anxiety? He took it up to his father. So Jesus is a human being who faces anxiety. So when you feel as if you are pressed on every side, and I don't know about you, but ever since COVID, it feels like life is just too hard. That is anxious about many things. Job security. What's going to happen? Life, I think, is becoming more and more expensive. 
and every day or every month it feels as if I'm becoming less and more and more poor. Can't afford things. Scared of ending up on the street because you can't afford rent. Everything is going up. Jesus knows what it is to be anxious. So whether you don't know him, whether you know him, you have an opportunity to come to the one not who knows what it is to be a fallen human being, but can do something about it. Not only that, this thing Jesus has said, he knew how to face suffering to the point of death. And that is good for us, that sometimes that many of us, we have either known people who are dying, or we've been, went through a point where we are so sick, or even now, we might have a serious illness. Feel like we are dying. Jesus knows that process. He can help you in that, and to cope. Not only that, he's the one who has defeated uh, death. So you can come to him in confidence, without fear. And so my point in all those things is saying that Jesus don't mean is better than the Jesus you think you have ordered. That sometimes I think I've ordered. That who is up there transcended, who can save me. But he's the one who can be my confidant. Who understands me. The one I can go and cry to. So what I want us to take from that is come, if you are whatever, if you do not know Jesus. Even if you know Jesus. You feel that life is too hard. You have any challenges, come to him. And you can come to him with anything. No matter how big, no matter how small. Because sometimes, I, and I know that I've done that to many people, uh, that I could say to Christians, when Christians say that, you know my car broke down. I says, you need to be grateful that you have a car. You have a good problem. Uh, imagine those who don't have a car. says, I can't imagine my TV broke down like mine a few weeks ago. At least you have a TV. But I felt that actually sometimes that is unhelpful. Because if you are hurting, you are hurting. There's no point of being comparing with someone else. Jesus knows that struggle. You can come to him with that. He understands you. He's not going to compare with others. Says, there are those kids who are, who are suffering far worse than you. But cares and loves you. I will end with that, and so I will pray, and then the music team will continue shining us uh, and singing, leading us in music. Please do not sing too well, because uh, I need to be the, the light, uh, someone needs to be on top. But please join me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came to the world and became man that he knows and understands the struggles of humanity, that we can come to him, no matter where we are with him, that if we do not know him, we know the thing, Jesus is the one who came and died and dealt with our sin. And who knows how fallen we are, so we'll not be surprised about the things that we've done but also the one who understands our everyday struggles. So, Lord, I pray that Jesus may not be an afterthought when we're faced uh, with struggles, suffering, pressures, but he may be our first phone call.
So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to see Jesus uh, as our friend, our confidant in our time of need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.